morning, everybody. Apologize for my extreme tardiness this morning. Of course, you're used to it. Something told me, hey, today would be a good day for biscuits and gravy at like 8.30. So, thought I had time. Didn't really. So, ah, here we are. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word to us, God, for your blessings, and how you've watched over us and, and kept us, God, from the, the, the very first day until this. God, and we're, we're grateful for your love and your presence watching over us and keeping us. And God, today I just pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. God, that you would minister as only you can. Touch those kids in Sunday school, God, and that you'd plant your word inside of them. And that you would water it and, and cause it to increase in their lives, God. And we just pray that you would do in us what only you can. God, that you would speak today uh, exactly what you have intended for us. God, we just pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, go with me to Philippians. Chapter 2, I believe. Yep, 2. No, 1. Ha. If I keep you guessing, I could beat you there. Love all the, the little creative things that uh, people have come up with, come up with to find books in the Bible, like Joshua Judges, Ruth, and here in the epistles you have Go Eat Popcorn or General Electric Power Company. They're fun. So, so in Philippians, it's a great book. Um, and if you're thinking you preached out of Philippians last week, you're right, I did. So, here we are again. You know, one of the funny things about uh, um, about ministering is, it's like, well, I've already preached on that before. <laughs> and, uh, like, surely they all know that already. And but uh, But then you think, well, so when's the last time you had pizza? Do you want to have pizza again? Yes. <laughs> so, of course, if it's my kids, it's like, where's it from? It's not frozen, is it? Like, so, yes, yes, I have uh, apparently uh, raised my children to be um, rather discerning, which is a nice way to say picky. So, they get it honestly, I'm picky. Anyway, here in Philippians... Um, uh, let's see here. Um, I'm going to start in 27. It's a, it's a good, uh, good, good place as any to start. Uh, you know, he's, Chris Paul is talking about how you can be confident that God's going to get done in your life the things that He's begun. Because uh, you know, great thing about God is He's not a quitter. So. Um, and then Paul goes on to talk about um, uh, about the the things that he's run into in his life, the difficulties and things, and he and he talks about um, you know knowing that you know one day he'll he'll move on from this life, and 
And, and he's ready to go now because, of course, he's already been uh, stoned by the, the Jews and, and, uh, um, and he's, he's uh, not at all concerned about heading back to, to the glory. Uh, but, of course, he says that you know, it's, it's more needful for them that he, that he abides there and stays with them. So, so here in 27, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, and that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Um, so, I think we've talked before about um, how, of course, words change over time. And the, and the King James uses the word conversation differently than we use it nowadays. Because nowadays... We use conversation about the things that we talk about, and it is that. Um, and of course, the things that you say comes out of your heart, it comes out of what's inside you. So that can be a, a really great indicator of what's inside, whether for good or for ill. So we all have those moments where it's like, oh, I just said that. And uh, uh, so that's always... Uh, or a fun moment in your life, but um, but here, um, and, and it makes sense that conversation has come to mean the things that you say because um, uh, back then what they meant by conversation is your manner of life, how you live, how you conduct yourself, what your behavior is, and of course that will be reflected in in your in your talk. So, little etymology lesson there from Uncle Greg. Um, so, so he says, let your your conversation or your manner of life be as, as becomes the gospel of Christ. How else would the world see? How else would the world see Christ if they don't see Him in you? Uh, you've you've all heard my pathetic, pathetic idea that I had in my twenties that that if people didn't know I was a Christian, it didn't matter what they saw or how I behaved in front of them because they didn't know I was a Christian. That's not doing any damage to the gospel. <laughs> Again, take a lesson from Uncle Greg. Bad idea. So the thing is, is, is God's always watching, isn't He? <laughs> so <laughs> makes a big difference. So, um, so, so He says, you know, that, that your manner of life should become the gospel of Christ. Um, and he says that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, and, and when he says striving together, he doesn't mean fighting with each other. He means working together, like laboring together for the same thing. Uh, when Bobby and Lori built their house, um, I was I was young then. It was right after uh, World War II, and uh, um, we were. Um, you know, if you've ever been out to their house, it's, it's like a nice, it's like 50, 60 feet long, I think. And um, they thought, hey, let's build this thing to last. So the, the exterior walls are all two by six, not two by four. So they're nice and heavy. 
and they have this really crummy uh, um, siding that is also very heavy. doesn't last real, real well, but uh, it's nice and heavy and unpleasant. And so, uh, you know, of course, you know, uh, of course, John Ming is like, you know, Atlas. You know, he's just like holding up the earth. So he thought, well, let's just build this wall all laying down. Uh, and then we'll all pick it up. Yeah. And so there were quite a few of us. We've got some pictures of of all of us uh, grunting and straining and picking up this wall so we could stand it up. Um, and uh, um, there, there were some... Uh, there may have been a few unchristian things that passed my lips as I strained against the, the weight of this wall trying to pick it up. Um, but we were striving together. We were all working together for the same thing. We had, the, we had this goal in mind of get the wall off the floor and standing up so, uh, so that you know, John could monkey around up there and get it all nailed in properly. So... Um, you know, professional builders, they use like like cranes and lifts and all kinds of things for that. Wall jacks and, you know, wall jack right here. So that's, uh, we just thought, we'll just pick that thing up. But we were striving together for the same thing. We were all working together. It wouldn't do to have somebody hanging on it, right? Be like, ha ha, pick it up with me on it too. You know, that would be a good way to end up in the third heaven like Paul did. <laughs> Once we got the wall picked up or or conveniently dropped it on you. But <laughs> like, oh my bad. Sorry about I didn't see you there, little buddy. Um so so working together. And of course, uh the the uh much of Christianity has decided that that's just not possible. That we could strive together with one mind. Uh, and one spirit, and work together for the faith of the gospel. They think we could work together, but not in one spirit, not in one mind. And so, uh, it reminds me of when we used to clean Allen Fieldhouse. I've used this example before. You know, we had we'd get like this line of guys going around the bleachers. Like you'd start up in the crow's nest, you go all the way down, and you'd blow all the trash out of the bleachers, all the popcorn and all the wrappers and all that stuff. And uh, We'd all blow it down to the bottom and then sweep it all up. But there would always be this one guy with his leaf blower, because we'd all have our leaf blowers all lined up, and he'd be up here. We're like halfway down the building, and he's up off in the corner just just blowing stuff in circles. And I was just, I thought, why? What, what, what possible good do you think that's doing? You know? But... Uh, and so a lot of uh, a lot of the church tries to work together like that. It's like, well, we're both working, right? But but not with the same goal in mind. Uh, but he says, uh, and nothing well, uh, nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. We don't use the word perdition much anymore. It means destruction. And so, you know. Being terrified by your adversaries, we feel like sometimes when things go against us, 
there's this temptation to feel like it's some kind of token of destruction. That, that well, everything must be going downhill and everything's going to turn out bad and and um, uh, you know. But but he says actually to you it's a it's a token of salvation. If, if things because we, we get superstitious in the church and we think that if things are going against us or they're not going smooth that we must be in the wrong place or we did something wrong uh, or something like that. And whereas God says, actually, this is a an indicator you're on the right track. So, um, you know, um, Martin Luther, of course, you know, suffered with uh, depression and, and, and anxiety and and it didn't go away necessarily when he got this great revelation that started the Reformation. It, it, it came back to haunt him from time to time. And he wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And, uh, and he, he used this great German word for it that I, I don't remember quite how, he, how they, they uh, tried to render it in English, but it was like a phrase. And, uh, uh, and, not, and it, had a, it was a really good, uh, really good way to describe it, and I wish I could remember it now. But um, but anyway, you know, of course, he got married to a, a, a runaway nun, and uh, um, and he was really just depressed one day, just really bummed out about life, and just that that emotional turmoil that just comes on for no apparent reason from time to time, and and uh, and she comes out all dressed in black, all pale and tragic, and she's all somber looking at him, and he's like, what's What's going on? And she's like, "Oh well, God is dead, and uh, you know he's he's gone, and he can't help us now, and uh, you know everything is just kind of a you know disaster now." <laughs> he just kind of stared at her, like, "Thank you, thank you. Okay, yeah, I'm with you now." So we all we all need a uh, we all need a Katarina von Bora in our life, I think. So, you know, and I, and I love it because, you know, Martin Luther had such a such a sharp wit and a sharp tongue that he needed somebody to kind of pick on him and be like, oh, well, God's dead, huh? Okay. So, sometimes, uh, sometimes it helps to have somebody point out how ridiculous something is to help you kind of dismiss it or move past it or see it for what it really is. But but really we do go through difficult things and we feel like it's and there must be something wrong when it's actually you know, God's saying this is a this is an indicator you're on the right track and uh, and that you're you're striving together with me for the things that we're that we're accomplishing because we go through things where we intercede for other people we go through things where we're there uh, to catch somebody uh, when they're when they're they feel like they're just falling. And and we're we're striving together uh, for the things that God would have us do. So He says, for, "For unto you it's given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake." And I just had to laugh when I got to looking up this word "given," because it, it you know "given" is a good translation. Uh, but it has this sense of benevolence and graciousness to it, and so uh, which of course is how God gives us things: benevolently, graciously, abundantly, overflowing, undeservedly, gives us all this stuff. 
So unto you it is graciously, benevolently given in the behalf of Christ, not just to believe on Him, but to suffer. It's like, oh, great. It's like, thank you, Jesus, I think. You know, but, uh, you know, but the Bible said that He suffered in the flesh and ceased from sin. You know, and, um, you know, and that there is actually a lot, uh, um, I wish I could remember the scripture. It, it just, it's kind of fuzzy in the back of my mind, um, that, that it talks about sorrow being, being better than, than laughter. And, and that, you know, that you're, I think so, that you're, you know, that you're actually, your, your, your heart and your countenance are actually made better going through sorrow and suffering than they are from, uh, you know, just those days where you wake up and the, the sun is shining in your window and the bluebird of happiness is on your shoulder. And, um, um, but, but if you're going to suffer for his sake, that's because you're being made one with him, because you're being yoked to him and, and you're fellowshipping with his sufferings. You know, it cleverly, Ron has taught us that song and we sing it. And so it's like, I want a fellowship and his suffering's true. And God's like, okay, great. So, you know, but the, but the thing is, we really do want that. And it really is a valuable thing to us. And um, when you love somebody, you would rather be with them in the tough times than with a bunch of other people that you didn't really care about going through the good times. Because the good time friends are just that good time friends they they're they're not there anymore when things get tough and uh so having you know having somebody that that really cares and that's really um there with you in that that sense of suffering and it's like and you can see you know how comforted jesus was by the presence of the disciples even though he's like pouring all this comfort and reassurance out on them at this uh you know what everybody calls the last supper he's talking to them about you know, he's thinking about them. But he's also like, you know, you guys have been with me in all my temptations. It's like, you guys have been here. You know, and he, and he took them with him to uh, Gethsemane. And, and he, obviously, he was going to get this, you know, strength from God to go through this thing that he's getting ready to go through. But he, he took comfort in the fact that they were there. And he, and he was, <laughs> that's why he wanted them to stay awake. So, um, so, so suffering for his sake is is really a precious thing. And another another note on that is that um, that that you know, and, and you all know this, but when you you go through something difficult and it feels just useless, just pointless, why on earth would I go through this? This is pathetic. And and then God brings you through it, and then you meet somebody that has that is going through that same thing. And you can look at them and tell them, well, you feel like this. And, and you're thinking that this is how this is going to turn out and this is what you, you feel like. And they just stare at you because they're like, how did you know that? And so, um, so there's a, that's another blessing in that, that, that suffering for his sake because it's, it's um, you know, no doubt when you went through that difficult thing, there was someone there who said, well, I've been there. I, I know what the answer is for that. Here's here's how you feel. And and so it just keeps on going, going on down the line that way. Uh, verse 30, he says, having the same conflict that you saw in me and now here to be in me. 
Conflict's a good word. Um, this is the the word that the Greeks used for their uh, their games and stuff. Excuse me. So it means the it's like the place of of the contest, like an arena. Um, and it also means it, it means both the place itself, the, the the venue of the of the event, and also the event itself. So um, so he said that you know you so you're you know you're having the same conflict that you saw in me, and uh, this this word conflict he uh, also appears in Hebrews 12 when. Um, uh, after telling us about this great um, uh, laundry list of heroes of the faith and the things that they went through, um, uh, he says uh, to set aside every weight and sin and run with patience the race set before us. And so this word conflict is the same word that he uses there for a race. You know, so, you, so you can see that sense of uh, the, uh, the, the being this contest that he talks about. So... Um, you know, there there seems to be like two two schools of thought in Christianity that are kind of equal and opposite errors. That it's like, well, if if you're a Christian, then nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, and you know you're going to have a cakewalk here and pie in the sky when you die. But um, you know, you can uh, get raptured out of your uh, your Lincoln Navigator out of your uh, gated community's driveway, you know, or but, you know, so you've got that, or or you've got well, if you're really a Christian, then you don't get to be happy and, and everything, and your life's probably going to suck and be terrible, and, and you're going to hate it, and, and every day is going to be miserable, trudging forward with your nose to the grindstone, and 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 then when you get there, uh, Peter will kind of give you this long, searching look at the at the pearly gates, and then he'll finally be like, how oh, fine. Just kind of wave you in there reluctantly. Again, totally wrong. So, so the truth is somewhere in there, in the middle, right? You know, you the uh, in uh, in Lamentations, God uh, it says that uh, He does not willingly grieve or afflict the children of men. And that word willingly means from His heart. So He doesn't. You know, God is not uh, you know watching your life and. You know, proverbially tearing the wings off butterflies in your life just to, uh, just because it amuses him. And, uh, so, you know, we, we go through tough things and God has a reason for it and it, and it grieves him to see your grief. He doesn't like it, but he understands that it's good for you. And, and he, and he wants to bring you into that place, uh, because he was, he's, um, uh, acquainted with grief. And, and the world around you is acquainted with grief, and so God wants He wants us to be acquainted with that grief in a way that we could have a sense of um, uh, not only compassion but a sense of motivation to 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 do something about the suffering that we see around us. You know, when you you know God puts somebody in your life, and and you think, man, I just I, I hate to see them in that place, and God, I just I need an open door to do something. That would change this this thing in their life, and sometimes it happens right away, and sometimes it takes a long, long time. And sometimes you pray and you pray, and you don't ever see anything happen. But that doesn't mean that nothing is ever going to happen. So, um, so he talks here. He he sets this uh, thought in mind. 
back in verse 27 about about this this idea of unity and being in one mind and one spirit, having this that we're all working towards the same goal. And then he talks about going through these difficult things, and then he, you know, of course, there's no chapter break here in in the letter. You know, Paul didn't think, okay, this would be a that's a nice dramatic statement to, you know, now I'm going to write a big two right here, and then here's the next chapter. I'm glad they broke it up like that so that we can find stuff. But uh, um, so he says, having the the same conflict that you have saw in me, and now here to be in me, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So, so of course, there's a there's a comfort in in Christ. You know, this this word consolation is. Um, very, very similar to the word that Jesus used when he said that he was going to send the disciples another comforter. And um, and so he's, uh, so of course there are those things, that sense of comfort of uh, and fellowship of his spirit. But he goes back to this idea of being in one accord and one mind again. And, you know, the funny thing about that is, um, you know, if you don't think it's a miraculous thing to get everybody on the same page, then sit down with your family and try and decide what and try and pick a movie. Try and pick a song to listen to while you're driving somewhere. You know, everybody takes the earbuds out. Everybody's going to listen to the same thing. You know, everybody puts their tablets away. Yeah. Or you know. Here's here's a good one. Try and decide where you're going to go eat after church, and try and pick some place that nobody is not is is unhappy about. So getting everybody on the same page really is a miraculous thing. And those are all just like, I mean, you all get what I'm saying. Those are all like just exam goofy examples. But God's talking about something real here. But really, how 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 would the, how would we ever possibly be on the same page? How would we ever possibly have the same mind and the same spirit? How could that? How could that be? Because, um, you know, I, I like Chipotle. There are people that are wrong that don't, and um, there are, you know, there are people that like black beans. There are people that think they're the devil. There, you know, there are people who like Chinese. There are people who are wrong. There are people who hate barbecue, and there are people who are wrong. And <laughs> sorry, I'm having too much fun. But but so but but you know that's just the thing. It's like we we take our we take our ideas and our likes and and our thoughts, and that's right. And we gauge everyone else's sense of correctness. Or even their intelligence, based on how well their tastes uh, align with ours. I was reading a fictional book when I was a teenager. It was written in first person, and this guy's ranting about how stupid this other character is. And he stops, and he's like, "You know, you ever notice how we we uh, we gauge other people's intelligence by how well their opinions align with ours?" I mean, I was, I was a little heathen kid, and I'm reading this book, and I'm like, wow, he's got a good point there. I'm like, that's totally true, because everyone who doesn't agree with me is stupid. I mean, I, I thought that was just me, but maybe everybody feels that way. 
So, um, so he says, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So, so there's that word strife again. It's like now, now he's not talking about working together. It's like working. It's you know, it, it's like the guy up in the up in the crow's nest, up in the nosebleed section, just blowing popcorn around in circles while everybody else is actually working. Uh, so he said, "Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. I want everybody to see what I did." It's like you know, uh, um, although you know, I don't know if you're a guy. And you like clean the house, you know. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Kate and Leopold back in the day. It was like you know you have she has to see you push the button on the dishwasher. That way she saw you do it. It's like so you wait until she walks in. It's like click. Oh hey there you are, you know. And so I don't know. I don't know if I clean the house. I'm like look what I did. It's like check it out, you know. And you know, Cynthia cleans the house and. It's a thankless task because then everybody just tears it up again. I don't. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, it's like Grandpa's house. You know, I'm like, everything's got to be just so. Everything should be all tidy. So I try and remind myself that someday my kids will be older and not make messes and they won't even live here anymore. And, and then my house will be all super tidy and I'll hate it. But <laughs> and I'll be thinking, it's like Cynthia and I should get like a... Uh, get like an RV and like park in the kid's yard or something. But, uh. but anyway, um, so he said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And that, that is so contrary to human nature that, that it takes intentional decision making and, and uh, um, forethought to do that. Or love. Love will do that. Love will put uh, someone else's needs in, uh, in front of your own. Uh, just, and uh, if, if you doubt me, imagine you, know, you, should, uh, you should be around a mom with a, a new baby. Never really occurred to me until Cynthia was about to have Jeremy that it's not like you just put them to bed and then that's it for the night. It's like you're you're clocked out. You, you know you can get up in the morning, and take care of the baby again. It's like the baby's probably gonna wake up in like an hour, and need something. And and they're not just going to conveniently go back to sleep for you as soon as you're ready. So, you know, I read this comic once. Uh, the kid's like talking to his mom in the middle of the night, and he's like, "Is love like an, a feeling, or is it like a like a biological?" thing that keeps our species going. And she just kind of stares at him and she's like, well, whatever it is, it's all that's keeping me from strangling you right now. <laughs> it's like, yep, yep. yep. So, so let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And, and so he just keeps building this case of how on earth am I going to do that? It's like I I, I want to do this, and you know the Baptists want to do that, and, and then brother so and so wants to do this. And he says, "Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus." Of course, you guys knew I was going here. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So, you all know the scripture, I've read this so many times that my brain starts to shut off when I read it, because I, I'm so familiar with it that my eyes just kind of pass over it, my brain just kind of goes on screensaver. And, but, but he says here, that you want this mind in you. you. You want to have his thinking become your thinking. You want your thinking displaced with his. And it says that that he's in. he was in the form of God. He understood that he was God incarnate. And, and, and he understood that that's who he was. And he didn't think that it was... That it was um, uh, robbery. He didn't think it was this this violent seizure of of something that wasn't his to be equal with God. But he made himself no reputation. He didn't he didn't uh, you know stand in the gate at Jerusalem and pound his chest and say I'm the Messiah. Bow before me. He made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. I mean, you know, you see him at at, uh, at that last Passover. He's like, uh, the Bible says that he he you know took off his robe and he put on a towel and he washed the disciples' feet, dried it with the towel that he was wearing. Like, how awkward would that be, you know? And 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 it and it was a, a sense of servitude that was really kind of a servile thing that the disciples were not interested in doing. And and yet he, that's what he did. And so. So he had all this this great power and glory, this God incarnate, but but he showed us that you know well my heart would you know not draw all this attention to myself as look look at me look at me and uh, and and see who I am and and look at my great power and glory. He says he made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man because of course he was. He was holy God, but he was holy man. And, and it said that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, unto death, even the death of the cross. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about obedience, and, you know, obedience is kind of a tough thing for our society. It's like uh, our society has become more and more lawless, and everybody has kind of become more autonomous. It's like, well, I just do what I want to do, and nobody, excuse me, nobody tells me what to do. And if, if the police dare tell me that I can't do something, then I'm going to fight with them. And, and if I can, I'll kill them. And um, uh, and and yet here, it's like Jesus became obedient unto death. He was he obeyed the thing that that the Word of God set forth for him, even though he understood that it was going to cost him his life. And so. Um, we don't do that so well in the church, but you can't do that in the flesh. You can't just put your nose to the grindstone and decide that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best Christian ever if it kills me. Because it will. But, but it's not, it won't bring you into this place of obedience unto death. Because eventually the cost will be enough that you'll say, nah, no. But, but having this, this love of God this fellowship of his sufferings and the consolation of his spirit um, and then coming into this place of, of 
of letting that mind be in you. Because he says, let it. So, so it will. You know, Ron was just talking about this the other day. It's like God um, will not take over any part of your thought process that you don't let him. He won't take any space in you that you don't give to him. And I don't know about you, I've often wished that he would. It's like, so could you just, just, just take it? Like, I'm probably going to hang on to it when you try and pull on it, but just if you just take it out of my hand, that'd be great. But he won't. He wants you to give it to him, you know, and uh, and and come into this this place of of you know humbling yourself and becoming obedient unto death, and and so, you know, so we we all come to that place of of dying to ourselves, and and God brings us there, but you know this the. God bringing the church into unity comes down to that, to, to letting his mind be our mind because he's the head. Because if the church is the body and he's the head, um, most of the time uh, my body works in concert based on the, the directions of my head most of the time, not always, but most of the time. And so that, but that's because... Um, the it's the head that controls everything that you're doing. So, um, and so that's the thing that we want to come into. And it's not something that we can just. It requires a decision on your part that that you're going to surrender to God and that you're asking Him to do these things in you. Um, but on the by the same token, it it's not something that you're just going to decide I'm going to do this and, it, and it'll happen. Um, and and God will let you try. He'll watch you run into the wall over and over again, um, waiting for you to give up and let him take over. And you think, oh, that poor kid, that's going to leave a mark. But, but eventually, when you come to that place, like, okay, I quit. I can't, I can't do this. I need you to do this in me. I need you to change my thinking. I need you to become my thinking. Because every time I try and think my way through something, I think myself into a corner. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, Maybe this is a weird example. You probably never painted a floor. But if you have, you have to think it through before you start. Because you kind of have to have like an escape plan. How am I going to not paint myself in a corner and get trapped in here? So I've, I've, I've done that several times and you have to think your way through it. It's like, okay. So, and, and our thinking does that. We try and think our way through something and... And we think, okay, I have come up with the definitive conclusion for this problem, and that conclusion is everything is hopeless. And, and, and there is simply no other answer. Everything is, is not awesome. Everything is a disaster. And God hates my guts. And, and this is just all for naught. And uh, that, that's about the best your mind will come up with, to be quite honest. And so you need your thinking replaced by his his mind by his thinking and and doing that is is the that coming into surrender because you have to let him do it it requires surrender but letting him do that really is the the key to um, to the church becoming what he wants it to be because he he's got to have you on board in order to include you in in, in what it is he's doing because he's not going to make you um, and, and I can tell you that the more, and I've got my mirror here, but the more that you let God uh, think for you, 
the the better things go. Then and the the, the 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 more you try and think for yourself, the the more you just kind of want to curl up in a ball somewhere. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word to us. God, you've um, given us this great opportunity, God, to to have your mind become our mind. God, you put this seed inside of us, God, and it and it grows up, and we want to give it all the room that you would have us give. God, we want to give it all the room it needs. God, all of us, every last bit of us. God, that, that our thinking and that our mind would be um, wholly replaced by your mind. And we're not concerned about individuality and, and, and wanting people to, to see us as some grand thing. God, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel. And, and, and we're in this, this, this race together, in this contention together. And God, what we want is to to not be put aside by the difficult things that come our way, but to see them as not a token of, of your displeasure or of a, an indication of destruction, God, but uh, God, but that as a as a sign along the way that we're on the right path. And God, we just we pray that you would do these things in us, God, that this this mind would come into each and every one of us, and that your thinking would replace our thinking, God. How else would we come into unity? But if, but by having your mind. If we all had that mind, we would all have the same mind. We'd all have the same spirit. And God, uh, do it. God, do it in this in this place. God, do it in your church around the world. God, uh, God, only you could do that. God, and, and men have decided that it's not possible. God, but we uh, not only believe it's possible, we are fully persuaded that it is your, your very plan and the thing that you have declared and that whether or no it will happen is a foregone conclusion, God. But we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want you to to uh, inhabit each and every one of us to the full and that, that your thinking would overcome our thinking. God, we, just, we pray it and ask it in the righteous name of Jesus. Now, today in this place, we want your spirit to do what only it can do God, every need in this place you know. Every heart's cry you know. God, the things that we couldn't even articulate that we feel inside and you have an answer for. God, and today what I pray is that your presence would deal with each and every issue. That you would meet each and every need. God, and that you would just fill us to the full with all that you are. And that your word would... would um, Strengthen us, God, just like Elijah, uh, getting that that strengthening uh, from the bread, and he traveled all the way to Mount Horeb. And we pray that you would fill us today with that that bread of heaven and nourish our souls. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.